Uh, all right, it's uh, finally time. It's time to. Uh, I was just going to say, I finally know the name of the episode just now when I sat down and recorded. This is a season uh, eight, episode four, or episode 71 of the entire series. And it turns out it's called The Last of the Starks. Uh, so, I, and I haven't, I just found that out. So, I haven't had time to really uh, uh, chew on that, really. Uh, but it does have the last time. Then it has the same opening, I think. Uh, but the one thing I noticed, if you really want to watch, is uh, uh, that the in the middle floors of Winterfell, they look a bit broken down. I don't know if that was new or just something I first noticed. It's almost like a car that won't start or an engine that won't start. Uh, there's some gears on the floor, and then the thing in the background that's kind of pulsating. I guess I don't remember now, but... Uh, I don't know. And then the camera pans up and I said, I know those splayed feet. I could just tell you whose boots those are anywhere. Except one thing I noticed is that there's, they're tied up towards the ankle. And I don't know if that was a traditional thing on those boots. It would make sense to get your feet in there. But man, that would not keep the water, the cool out. And it's Sir Jorah with good color, uh, taking a big nap. And, you know, he headed off to the farm. He's taking a big nap in the sky. And Khaleesi, we haven't, I don't know if we've seen her in this coat. I, I guess I would refer to it as coat. Uh, she had a very similar coat in red or white uh, with some red in it, almost like a yarn or a wool, maybe, which would make sense to me. Khaleesi, not only are fashion choices, uh, perfect. I mean, lovely. And but, but but you say, well, that's very smart wear for the North uh, and dragon riding. Uh, so she oh, so it's a gray with a red or maroon or a wine. How come gray doesn't get? I guess gray does get. You say, well, it's a slate. It's a, a carbon charcoal. But this is definitely gray. Uh, then speaking of gray, graystone, is that where, I don't know, <laughs> just trying to fit a joke in there. Uh, couldn't tell if Khaleesi, as she says goodbye to Jor, whispers to him. Uh, then we see Theon with cast of the sea, little sea blue tint to him. Sansa gives him a beautiful Stark pin. I did like, really like this parallel opening. Uh, when I, when I first saw it after a while, it like, uh, said, okay, the parallels are w- like, uh, maybe, but th- this was a really nice, uh, parallel opening of the Khaleesi, then Sansa. I finally took the time to look up the name of the, uh, uh John's pet, uh, whose name is G, uh, Casper. And everyone's watching. There's lots of goodbye. A lot of people saying goodbyes, uh. Arya and Bran, uh, and uh, Casper, the, the the dog. Oh, dear. Is that what that says? Oh, dearest, says uh, John. Go- oh, yeah. He said, oh, dear. Is John about to make a speech? He said, what are we in Iowa? Like, uh, is, but he makes a speech. Uh, I mean, I like John. Don't get me wrong. Not, not so hot on his speeches. Uh, and he says, hello, Iowa. Uh, you know, you know why I'm here. You know, but he says, uh, sh- "Oh, she- I do like a shield, safeguard the realms of people." Uh, Tyrion. 
oh, uh, what does that say? I don't know. It says Tyrion. But then I noticed uh, Stan, Sam was next. I think Sam was like maybe if you watch in the background, at some point he steps to the side uh, behind Sansa. And I think that might say Tyrion. I don't know. Uh, free folk, we see this is kind of the camera panning. Arya uh, says goodbye to Beric. Uh, Sam says goodbye to Ed. Uh, John says goodbye to Lyanna. Or Lyanna shares a look with Khaleesi. Oh, John and Khaleesi share a look. Uh, Khaleesi's look is both sad and fierce. And then there's some sadness as, uh, they float away, uh, like on a, you know, in the, in the mist, time for the misty, misty eyes in, in the mist of the, mist of the big farm. Uh, Masan, Masande, uh, Sornoros, uh, I don't know that was, uh, she's watching, I think Bride Grey Worm's with her. Uh, Aria, there's music, uh, there's the mist. You could also say it's SMOK. E. John. Well, I noticed that Khaleesi's dragon pin, which I'm even looking at more now. It's a three headed dragon pin. It probably, I mean, good because she really has a lot of layers, but for someone like me that's always bumping into stuff, it would definitely not last as long. And, uh, uh, I guess I don't imagine myself having my chest against stuff all the time, but it just it, like it wouldn't it would wouldn't last for me. Not that I need a pin. And then there's a big dinner, and already for me, like you want to talk about archetypes from Game of Thrones. That like I say, okay, big dinners. I'm not comfortable with big dinners. Uh, uh, I think that's like a thing. Because you say, okay, well, this is not, especially we don't see Arya. Uh, but banquet halls and Game of Thrones do not go, like banquets, in any communal meals that I know. This was, a, like, I'll tell you a spoiler. This was the best communal meal in the history of Game of Thrones, probably. I mean, maybe season one, maybe they can have them at uh, Winterfell. Maybe season one, I can't remember if there was a big dinner. Presumably there, presumably there was uh when Robert got there, and even that one, there probably was a little tension or something, but, uh, yeah, there hasn't been a dinner. This was an awkward dinner, uh, and that was, like, the worst. I mean, that was just so bad as it got. Uh, let's see. We have the seating-wise at the head tables, Bran, Sansa, John, and the Khaleesi. I mean, super awkward, but not so much. Everybody's kind of chattering. There's lots of close-ups. Uh, Kind of this one coming up here. I think it's here. Of uh, maybe is it Gendry the first one? Yeah, let me rewind it here. Uh, let's see what our timing is. It's around ten minutes in. Yeah, here we go. It's at ten oh eight ish, and then there'll be another one. They're like these. I, I, I don't know this for a fact because I'm not that studied in film, but they seem like these Stanley Kubrick uh, style. Kind of just off the side uh, close ups of characters. There's one of Gendry, and then later I think there's one of the Khaleesi. Oh, yeah, that's an important moment. Uh, so we see Gendry and the Hound are talking. Hey, where's Arya? Uh, you seen her? And, you know, he wants to go look for her. Uh, Hound sees right through it. His Gendry tries to leave. Khaleesi calls him out. At first, it seems it was awkward the whole time, but that was part of like the Khaleesi's. Uh, 
kind of connect, you know, ability to connect, uh, in one, you know, being so, uh, yeah, I don't know, but she says, uh, Oh, are you a uh, son of Robert Baratheon? And say, say, Oh, is it trouble? Even, uh, Onion Knight gives John a look like, uh Oh, yeah, she almost has this Oprah moment. She doesn't go full Oprah. She just gives him a title, but she doesn't go, you get a title. You get a, you know, you get a hold fast. Uh, you get, but she gives him, uh, whatever that place is called, uh, Storm's End. He's, she goes, who's the Lord of Storm's End now? First she says that, and no, even Sam doesn't know if it's a rhetorical question or not. He has a really great look. Uh, he says, hmm, that's a good question. I'd have to go back, I'd have to go over to Old Town and, uh, or, or in Sam's even thinking, is she being rhetorical or should I start to look into this? And uh, even I don't think it's three-eyed Raven even now. And he's and then there was another kind of thread through this episode. He goes, I can't because I'm, uh, you know, like uh, Rob, like Robert was my father. You know, he he says because of my situation, which is similar to John's situation, or you know the situation. And she goes, Nope, I just made you your lord, yo. And then the Onion Knight, it's still tense because it's kind of, Khaleesi kind of fumbles with it a little. Uh, so the Onion Knight goes to Lord Gendry. And then of all people, the next person we can hear shouted out is Brienne. And the Hound does not, he's not having any of it. He just says, no thanks. Uh, what does it say? Sam and Sue. Uh, oh, somebody, they shoot, like, uh, Sam and Sue, neither. Oh, Sam was some dude, some northern dude. I said, who's that northern dude? And they shake Gendry's hand. Uh, uh, then Khaleesi says, you're not the only one who's clever at Tyrion. And then Sansa gives uh, gives Tyrion a look like, uh, gross. Uh, you're just giving it, she's just giving out. Uh, she goes, if you're going to give something away, do it like Oprah. You give one to everybody in the audience. She goes, come on, give us some holdfasts or something. Also, I don't know what a hold, I didn't look that up either. Uh, jo, what does that say, John? Oh, Jamie and Brianne drink. Uh, the Onion kind of does a quick fill-in, a little bit of, of exposition, just a teeny, teensy bit uh, on the Red Woman. And this was something I was gilding myself for, maybe uh, looking forward to. There really wasn't a lot of exposition in this episode which I, I did not think was necessary, but of course, like, uh, like, I, like I said last or two episodes ago, if, if, Tyr- if I, I could listen to Jamie and Brian or Jamie and T- or Tyrion and Brian talk for hours about exposition or backstory or world building or whatever. But anyway, he's just a quick thing, uh, uh, bit, I guess. I don't know what that meant. Uh, oh, a bit, uh, I guess that's what I put, uh, Oh, but the Onion Knight really dunks on the Lord of Light. Uh, he's, he's not having the Lord of Light. I said, buddy, I got a belief system you could believe in. Lord of Light's not even in my belief system. Not, I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of the Lord of Light when I came up with it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, like I, haven't, I don't think I've ever used the term dunks on in the podcast, but I, like these, uh, these terms from 20, 2015, but uh, I'm going to use another one soon. Wes is still have to contend with, uh, 
I don't know what that means. Uh, he should join me. We still have to contend with us. Uh, th- that's what Tyrion says. We might have taken out the uh, the ice people, but the Hound wants more wine. It, and Tyrion kind of does an awkward compliment on Bran's wheelchair. But Bran says, actually, this is the desi- same design that uh, Darren Targaryen got. Uh, he says, well, just stay talking. He goes, I don't really want any more. I mean, I guess the only thing I'm going to miss Bran if we don't see him again uh, these next two episodes. I mean, really, really, again, again, because could you give like a bonus hour episode? I mean, really, that would be my sleep podcast and and not even sleep. I'd probably just chill. Uh, I mean, the show has so many good, melodious voices in unique ways. I think Bran had Raven voice, obviously The Onion, Beric Dondarrion. Yeah, Sir Jor, those are those are probably the top voices. Uh, Tormund, well, Tormund's just getting too weird, man. You shouldn't envy me, he says. Mostly, I live in the past. Uh, and, oh yeah, because Tormund's like become gets into this like uh, like bra mode where he's like, uh, let's pound some drinks, John. And I guess I was like, is that goat's milk or whatever, giant's milk, which it was not, uh, I don't believe. I mean, I guess you could say, actually, a scooter. <laughs> say thanks. Uh, uh, Khaleesi uh, cheers his aria. Uh, I think John pounds down a drink, or maybe Tormund does. Uh, Sansa gives a look uh, to, to Khaleesi on the cheers to Arya. And then Sansa's out. Uh, then we have Pod Jamie drinking uh, with uh, Tyrion being a little bit of a BU to the L to the L to the Y on Brienne. Subtle, but passive, uh, aggressively passive or whatever. And maybe Brienne was fake drinking. Uh, Tormund overdoes it where he's doing his like a little buddy thing with John and his, uh, second life, but which I guess, I don't know. It's like, is that, is that fully public information? It says not this one. Uh, WTF comes, uh, keep going. WTF Birch. What does that mean? I think Tormund says something weird, man. Oh, he does say something. He has one line. Uh, I guess that was my WTF. I think it's here. He say, he has this one, another weird line in this episode. No, Danny doesn't get any credits. And of course, at 1816, this is when the, um, there's a, uh, this Kubrick Danny face. And this one was, I felt like from a Stanley Kubrick movie, because it, it believes this music, uh, there's some, a focus pulled of Varys, uh, Danny's not feeling comfortable, so it kind of, uh, the audio changes and the, the viewpoint changes. And she says, I got to get out of here. And Varys follows her. Uh, then all the laughing drunks, they get a little bit, uh, not nice. There's too much, tr- Tyrion's gives too much truth out, uh, not like he does. Uh, so Brienne's out. Then Tormund. Oh, this is where Tormund got weird? Yeah, oh yeah, this is where he says something. I'm like, did you just say that, man? It was actually funny, but it was like, is that true? 
then Jamie follows Brianne. Tormund puts the things together. Tyrion tops his drink off. And then Podrick smi- smiles at... Uh, I appreciated this brief moment because Podrick smiles at Tormund, which kind of bounces us. Oh, no, that was Gendry, actually. Okay, so no, I was wrong. Where Tormund thought Gendry was like... Uh, like he was confused. So then Tormund walks off. Uh, he has wet eyes as he talks to the hound of his uh, loss of the love of Brienne. Now Sansa's watching this, and I didn't know if the women delivering wine were like hired by Sansa. Because uh, then the hound wants to be alone. But Sansa rolls up, and they have this. This is really one of the high points of the episode. This quick little bird discussion. But again, I don't know, like, it was a little bit like of them saying, well, Sansa saying, all of it was necessary for me to get here uh, to where I am. Uh, talk, passing the time. I don't know what that means. Uh, oh, they talk about the passing of time. The hound and the hounds. Uh, and the hound says, only one thing that will make me happy. And I don't know if this is a direction, misdirection or not, or if it's just like expect the Clegane Bowl, as we've been, people have been talking about for a few years now. He says you should have stayed with the Hound. That's when she says no. Then uh, the party gets too drunk, too crazy. Yeah, Gendry finds Arya, who's doing target practice. This is another really uh, high point in the episode. So I liked how these were back to back. He says, uh, I'm uh, celebrating, or, uh, you know, I'm the Lord of Storm's End now. Uh, he goes, will you be my lady? As Arya kind of looks, and then she gets down. He's on his knee, and she gets down. She gives him a serious kiss, a deep kiss. Uh, she goes, you'll be a good lord, but I'm, yo, I'm, not, I'm not a lady. Never have been. That's not me. Sorry, bruh. And uh, Gendry's kind of, I'm like, dude, don't you know anything about Arya? Like, like, I mean, no offense. I was like, what are you even asking that for? But I guess for us to see her answer, it was worth it. Uh, I said, Gendry, man, you go back to Storm's End. Well, I've never been there. Okay. Why don't you head out there now? Uh, Brienne keeps a good fire. Uh, she knows how to really keep it. She has a whole... She explains briefly her fire methodology and uh, uh, Winterfell. We also see her jewel-encrusted sword. Jamie rolls in with some Dornish wine, takes his jacket off. Uh, they, she, yeah, they talk about keep. I thought this was a nice subtext actually, because they talk about keeping a fire going. And I said, "Ahem, ahum, uh, whatever you say when you clear your throat." Because thematically, that'll come to the, the subtext is that uh, who's Jamie keeping his fire going for? Uh, North cruise on you don't things. Oh, oh, she says the North will grow on you. And Jamie goes, I don't want things growing on me. Uh, Jamie, all. Oh, he's still kind of being a little like a uh, pa- passive aggro. Uh, Jamie needs oh need, Jamie needs help getting his shirt off even undone. There was also Jamie made a joke. I, I tried to rewind it a few times. I couldn't tell exactly what it was. Uh, it wasn't I, I don't know. Honestly, I said, "Wait a second, what did he say?" Then we have John drunk and pensive by his fire. 
And Khaleesi shows up and she goes, are you drunk? He goes, uh, no, uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, then I said, this is why I don't want to, hey, I can't have you making speeches, John. He goes, I didn't know Sir Drawer that well. And he said, what the heck, man? And they talk about love and love Jorah. And Khaleesi says, uh, what does this say? I don't know. She just says, you know, I didn't love him like I loved you. What does this say, though? Is that one right? Uh, yeah, but he's, they say, let's kiss on it. Oh, is that all right? Maybe she says, uh, and they say, let's kiss on it. Until uh, John, of course, uh, has a moment to think. I mean, they're real, like, uh, they do some pad, heavy padding. Uh, but then I said, it, it didn't, like, I mean, this is the scenes I do like is when I don't understand what's happening, the motivations of the characters. I mean, it gets to one of the reasons John's theme is John's a little bit more understandable, where they said, is the Khaleesi, so did John pause because he said, well, this is my aunt, or, you know, would it like uh, his Boy Scout type routine, or is the Khaleesi, is this an intentional move by the Khaleesi to manipulate John, and he detects that? I don't know. Uh, So it was Danny there on purpose. Uh, Why did you tell? She, but I did, I, I don't know, I think really she was being honest. She goes, why did you even tell me? Uh, and then I put, I know that look. Uh, uh, oh, she talks about how, like, uh, John, everybody loves John here. And she goes, i never gotten that look on this side of the sea. And she goes, you want me to, you, she goes, you want to make this work? Say nothing. Uh, Khaleesi is definitely con- very concerned about this whole uh I mean, understandably, the whatever succession. I started watching season one of that too. Holy cow! But John, of course, he says, "I'm a Boy Scout. I owe them the truth." Uh, and then we have this theme that comes up, I think, three times in the episode of begging. Uh, Danny actually begs, uh, and I did have to WTF it because uh, he said, "Wait a second, uh is this a, I don't know, but John says, you're my queen, nothing will change, uh, uh, that they are my, but he goes, you, nothing changed with you, but those, they're my family. And she goes, I just told you how to fix things, F-O-double-O-L. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe this is like a, a double flaw scene, I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, honestly, I'm, you know, probably jealous of John. I mean, not in this particular situation because it's complicated, but uh, I don't know. Are we seeing John's flaws? Because now it's like, uh, and I don't know, John's uh, playing by the rules has constantly kind of caused him. Uh, so, so I don't know. But I don't know if it's foreshadowing or, or what, or just projection. Uh, then we go to Jamie, who can't sleep. Uh, it looks like he wrote Bummerland. Uh, but, but I think it's like Brienne, uh, is sound asleep. Yeah. That's what it says. Uh, half it drops out. What does that mean? Talking about a plan. Half drops out, uh, talking about a plan. I don't know. Cersei will lie. Okay. I think this, oh, this is a, so this is when they're coming up with the plan. Uh, Right? Uh, uh, what is this? Uh, I don't know what this one is. Let me. Uh, I think this is when they're doing their planning. 
me just fast forward here. So I, I actually, believe it or not, I actually got ahead of the episode. We got some kissing going on between Danny and John. Now we, now we got some buffering. You never thought a sleep podcast. Uh, they really talk to each other in different angles, too, I guess, to make it, uh, like, John moves around a lot. Okay, we got Brianna asleep. Oh, yeah, so it's a planning meeting, so they're making their plans. Uh, oh, half troops out, uh, that's what that says. They also say, how's everybody going to remember? Cersei's going to lie. Then I used my second pop culture reference, other than Dunk's on. Khaleesi's on tilt uh, the rest of the episode, I'd say. Uh, we do have Dorn back in. Now, but just because Khaleesi's on tilt doesn't mean she can't come back in the next two episodes and not be on tilt. Uh, and what does tilt mean? We'll talk about that probably if we have time in the rec- or the facts. But it just means uh, she's uh, she's got so much, uh, she's overwhelmed and she's uh, not thinking clearly. So she's acting uh, against her own best interests. Uh, yeah. It's like an aggression against your own best interests. Maybe that's what being until it means to me. Or uh, the opposite, I guess, too. Uh, it's also when uh, when you're on tilt, can, everyone can see it but you. That, like That's one of the other features of it. So I think it was like a, it's a pinball term, probably a term before that, and then it got used in po- during the great poker renaissance. Uh, that was like 15 years ago or whatever. Uh, this looks like it says Starks in Budapest, uh, but I don't know what it means. Uh, Starks in the Budapest, uh, until people need to rest and recruit. Oh, so the Starks, uh, Starks are, uh, they say will help, but Stance says after everybody rests and recuperates, and Khaleesi says no, no way. And then John bends his knee. He says, actually, no, this was like, I guess, like, thinking back on it now that I've seen it a few times, it's like, uh, and it's like Sansa's actually doing what's best, uh, maybe. And by, like, the Khaleesi and John, I guess, are kind of uh, acting against their both, both best interests, it would seem to me. Because if they just would rest at Winterfell, yeah, they could get everybody. I don't think it, like they could send out some people. People to keep an eye on stuff. Also, what happened to all of Varys's eyes and stuff? If you keep an eye on things, uh, like uh, is for much activity he has in this episode. It's like, dude, I thought you had birds everywhere. Arya and Sansa share a look with this whole thing. As John says, "Okay, Khaleesi, we'll do whatever you want." Uh, uh, John. And Davos, oh, John and Davos and the troops are going to head down the King's Road. Uh, Jamie's going to be a guest uh, uh, of Winterfell. Rifle Queen, uh, uh, Khaleesi says that and stares at Sansa. Then Arya blocks John as everybody tries to exit. She goes, family talk, uh, buddy. So then the poor Weirwood tree has to listen into all this uh, as the, the... uh, four Starks, uh, I mean, John's still the same amount of Stark. It's just a different Stark parent. Uh, uh, so, let's see. Sansa, Arya. Oh, they play a little, it's a little bit of a fake out, which they've done before with the Littlefinger, uh, where they kind of act like they're disagreeing, or maybe they do disagree, but Arya says, uh, comes down to, like, we don't trust your queen. 
Uh, she's not one of us. A really good dialogue worth checking out here because I don't want to go through all of it. Uh, but I mean, I guess John says, if you don't trust people you grew up with, you're not going to uh, have many allies. Uh, or if you don't trust, if you only trust people that you grew up with, uh, Nori says, I don't need many allies. Uh, so they talk about family and uh, fumbles in because they said, well, John says, I'm not, they say, you are a Stark. You are a member of our family. And he said, maybe I should sit down with John and show him, like, uh, your mother's a Stark. Uh, your father's a Targaryen. Uh, you're still 50% Stark. Uh, I mean, maybe, a line, I don't know. I, again, whatever, a line of succession, but who, who cares? Uh, but then there's this, another thread in this episode of people making their choices, uh, or some characters making their choices, not everyone. Have to swarm. Oh, another one, people swearing promises. Uh, so there's choices, promises, uh, whatever the third thing I said wasn't begging. I'll come up multiple times this episode. Tyrion and Jamie are talking about Brienne. Uh, Tyrion's making tall jokes, climbing mountains. Uh, they say, cheers to climbing mountains. I said, again, is that some foreshadowing or what? Uh, and Bron rolls in. He, he talks about their blonde tufts. Uh, he, he's negative. I think that's what this says. Uh, he has like this unfriendly edge, uh, which I guess like uh, politically or whatever, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, Bron's had enough of dealing with uh, the rich people. Uh, but basically he asked for double river run, which is high garden. He'd be Lord of the reach. Jamie says, what are you nuts? Yeah, I, don't know. I guess I didn't like this scene just cause uh, as a fan, I guess as a fan of Bron being teamed up with Jamie or somebody else, uh, I mean, maybe it'll happen in the next two episodes, but I've just been a, a fan of Bron. Uh, so to know he, he's probably, uh, I don't know. And he says, give me your word. Uh, second round of pennies. Uh, I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means. Uh, second round of pennies. Uh, but he says, I'll find you when the war is done. Give me your word. Second round of prunes? Uh, I don't know. Uh, then we have another. This one was a little bit for me fan service in a good way. Because we have the hound walking and his collides. He's on a horse, a Clydesdale horse. And uh, next thing you know, we see Arya. Uh, and he says, Oh, jeez. And she goes, You're on your own? He goes, Not anymore. What about you? She goes, They say, well, I don't like crowds. Same here. Where are you going? Where do you think? Uh, I guess some unfinished business. Me too. Not planning on coming back. Me neither. So maybe the last of the Starks just means these three, three and a half Starks. This what it could have been called. Three and a half. Well, actually, uh, Red Raven's not a Stark anymore. And I would venture to say Arya is not a Stark anymore. Uh, she has become, she's a, a faceless person. I mean, that might be out there, but, uh, so that leaves us with one and a half Starks, uh, Sansa, and I guess by John's reasoning, he's not a Stark, he's a Targaryen. I don't know, maybe I'm reaching, or maybe it just meant those four would have a meeting. 
I mean, but Stansa, Sansa, excuse me, is one that stays in the north. Then we see Danny and the dragons. Uh, Sansa's watching. He rolls up my lady. She doesn't say nothing. He says, you're supposed to say my lord. And Sansa says, why her? You really think she's going to be a good queen? There's lots of, like, I guess another thing that comes up in this episode is, like, people not looking at one another and looking uh, allies. Uh, your queen, too. She says, you, uh, Sansa says, are you afraid of the Khaleesi? Uh, then we get this Nata Stark. Uh, what if someone better out there? And eventually he walks away. She calls him back. She spills the beans uh, that she had learned from. Because, oh, John tells Arya, and, or John has Bran tell Arya and Sansa at the family meeting uh, that, you know, he's like uh, everything about the Targaryen stuff. Uh, and then we see Onion and John on a horse. I don't know if John was on his horse. He got back off. Uh, he says goodbye to Tormund, who has another good line. Really, that is like one of the funniest lines of the season. Uh, room to wander. This isn't home. So this is our goodbye to Tormund, I believe. Uh, he does this one. I, I, I can say out of all of John's decisions, uh, you'd say, okay, if you're, you're not going to get my vote, uh, because he just says, here, take take uh, uh, Casper with you, my dog. I mean, honestly, that like this was uh, the things I get outraged about. Uh, what does it say? Hippie up there. I don't know. I think he says we're going to be happy up there. We have room to roam, room to wander. So new, oh, so well, so we, so new, well, your. Yeah, I don't know, but he says so, so long or whatever. Farewell. You never know. We might see each other again. Yeah. Then we have Sam and Gilly and the future Charlie. Uh, John says, "I hope it's a girl." And Sam says, you're the best friend I've ever had. And John says, you too. No. Oh, yeah. He said, no friggin' goodbye for for the dog, Casper. Again, I, I was just, I just didn't like this. I mean, Nymeria, which was Arya's dog, went through the same thing, I guess. Uh, Nymeria, I think that was the name of her wolf. Or dog, you know, that's when I try to, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, so then we have uh, Casper, Tormund, Sam, and Gilly. They say goodbye. Then we see sh- ships holding ships at sea, and uh, uh, Grey Worm or Bay Worm, as uh, Masande calls him. Uh, she calls him that. I mean, uh, the, uh, anyway, it's, uh, but uh, not not on the show. Anyway, uh, smile. They have smiles. They're holding hands, uh, which makes the episode more. Uh, then Varys and Tyrion are down in the cabin. Uh, and we get this conversation twice in kind of two different forms. Uh, uh, very, they both know now. They say eight people know, so it's not a secret. It's information. And then they say, well, what about, what should we do? Like, Khaleesi's on tilt. And they say, John wants to bend the knee. Varys says, what he wants does not matter. And Tyrion says, what about marriage? He goes, is marrying your aunt common in the North? Uh, what does it say? Does not like having an autumn quadrant. Uh, I don't know what that means. It does not like uh, having another, oh, uh, anyone question her authority. Khaleesi does not like having her authority questioned. Uh, 
They go, this is our job. We're her advisors. Uh, and Tyrion says, maybe Cersei will win and they'll solve everything. And I put, oh, dear. Not sure what happens here. Not sure what happens here. Some weird face-off. Uh, Khaleesi and Matt. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so, so, okay, this is on the boat. Uh, uh, then there's uh, some weird face-off. Oh, okay. So then, uh, like, uh, let's see. Then somehow, the, without Varys' birds, they didn't know uh, that Euron was going to show up and take one of the dragons away and their, most of their boats. Uh, Grey Worm says, uh, get to the skiff now. Uh, we, uh, I saw that they had, like, uh, octopus arms on their uh, uh, launchers. Uh, Tyrion uh, jumps in. I thought the episode might end here because it faded out, uh, but it was just a fake out. Thank goodness, because it, like, uh, it was like, you can't end it now. Uh, but then I guess I who did wish it just ended there. But, uh, so Tyrion's in the water, no Masande, uh, all the boats are gone. Dr- one of the dragons uh, took a trip to the big farm. Uh, r- not, r- yeah, Rhaegar, Rhaegar, Ra- Ra- or whatever. Uh, Cersei, what does this say? Oh, then we see that we go down to King's Landing. We see Cersei. She's letting all the people into the Red Keep. Uh, Clyburn and Euron are there. They say, Queen. She goes, I'll be the like uh, queen of the, the lion in the land, the kraken in the sea. Uh, and we'll rule the sea, and our child will rule them all. And she goes, keep this keep open for the innocents to come in here. Then she says, so much for Breaker, the chains, and it's revealed that Masande is with them. Oh, I said, oh, no. Uh, then we're back at the planning room. Khaleesi tilts over a lion. Uh, something, I don't know what this says. It looks like Greyjor. I mean, Greyworm had a lot of faces, but Varys says, you know, I told you I'd look you in the eye if I disagreed you. At first, he's not looking right. Then he does. He goes, this is a mistake. Uh, Too many innocents. Uh, He goes, do not become what you struggled to defeat. Uh, And she goes, are we here for a reason or what? Uh, And this is exactly what a person on tilt would say. Uh, We're here to free the worlds of tyrants via tyranny. Uh, uh, and father, I don't know what that meant. Uh, then Tyrion says, well, let's make an offer at least. And, uh, Khaleesi's right. She goes, it won't work. Uh, Cersei will refuse. Uh, and then the drums and looks, uh, oh yeah. And then everybody shares the looks. And then we have one more talk, uh, with Varys and Tyrion. Talking about tyrants and destiny. Uh, some of the same talk as before, but he goes, there's Jon Snow a solution, Varys says. Uh, who's going to be the better ruler? I put neither. I mean, maybe that's just my bias. Uh, Varys says, maybe the best ruler is the person who does not want to rule. And then Tyrion's again, what about marriage? And Varys says, she's too strong for him. And he goes, you're drinking a lot, dude. What the heck? We got, we're got. we supposed to have our A game. And then Tyrion, I mean, I guess Tyrion says, this is, you know, this is when I have my A game. 
And he says, I believe in our queen. She'll make the right choice. So, again, if we're seeing it through Tyrion's eyes, you say, okay, okay, let's be patient here. He says, with the help of her advisors, of which we are two. And then, again, this choice idea comes up. Each of us has a choice to make. Uh, and Varys also lays out that he's for the realm, the people of the realm, uh, kind of the innocents, I guess, uh, which, again, is a callback to, you know, other discussions. Then we're back at Winterfell. There's work going on. Uh, Jamie sees Sansa and Brienne whispering. Uh, they try, and then she goes, yeah, Rhaegar's out. Uh, uh, and uh, Missandei's uh, down south. Uh, and Sansa's kind of a little smug. She goes, yeah, I always wanted to be there uh, uh, when uh, Cersei went bye-bye. And Jamie's kind of stunned. Uh, He's, and then we got, got him sitting by a fireplace with his arms crossed. Brienne's asleep. Uh, uh, lots of furs in the bed. Uh, Jamie's out. No goodbye. Uh, but then Brienne hears the door close, so she goes out. She goes, you're not like your sister. You're a good man. Please stay. Another round of kind of begging. Uh, and again, with a character, I don't, And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I do know Brian was in love with Jamie, but uh, uh, I, I think she would have, I don't know, but she begs him to stay. I mean, maybe she's begging him to stay for him because she doesn't, yeah, I guess maybe that's why it's okay for her to beg. She's just, she just, she's not begging for her. She's just saying, dude, if you go there, and he goes, I'm not good, he goes, I'm not a good person. Uh, all that I did for Cersei, she's hateful and so am I. And uh, then the brands, you know, obviously her kind of her heart's very sad. Uh, then it's out. Then we're outside the Red Keep, uh, and uh, seems keep lots of seems look more smug. Okay, so let's see. Outside Red Keep, lots of uh, oh, there's lots of those anti-dragon things. Uh, uh, but there's lots of shared looks. Uh, Everybody up top is smug yeah, in the keep. Uh, we see, except for Masande. Yeah, dragon bows, uh, stage downs. Uh, oh, stare downs. There's a ton of stare downs. This Andrew, it looks like Cyberman out surrender. But Clyburn comes out, he says, uh, and then Tyrion goes forward for the parlay or whatever. And Tyrion says, you got to surrender. And Clyburn says, you got to surrender. Nope, nope. Uh, and Tyrion says, come on, man. And he goes, dude, I'm a mouthpiece. But he goes, by the way, we're totally confident. Uh, uh, we also see Masande's kind of caught in the middle of this negotiation. And it does turn on a bunch of, uh, I mean, there is tension in the scene. Because uh, uh, he goes, we have a chance here. Help me. He kind of begs. Uh, Maybe this is this the last bag of the episode? Yeah, he is now. So then uh, Tyrion marches on to pitch Circe uh, and decency and survival. Uh, he says, Come on, come on. Uh, she kind of fakes out Tyrion at first. Uh, but then she says, No dice. But, but as he kind of begs her uh, to kind of see, like, uh, uh, the sensible side, I guess. Even Euron, for, for a quick second, looked unsure. Uh, he says, you're not a monster, Cersei. Uh, and she has to look away as he talks about kids and stuff. Uh, yeah, I beg you. 
the third time this episode. Uh, then we have a series of shots with looks. Uh, Cersei makes her choice uh, with her eyes a slow. Oh, it's a slow reveal. She makes a choice with her eyes, not with her. her she, you see her face turn as, as she makes her decision. I think I could only tell that in the second uh, second watch, though. The first, the first watch, I thought, uh, I was like, what is she going to do? Yeah, but it's a slow reveal, but Danny and Grey Worm knew in the first watch and the second watch because it was the same episode. They step up, uh, and she goes, anything you got to say, uh, Masande? She goes, Dracarys, which I thought was, uh, I don't know, this was a tough uh, Grey Worm stunned, uh, Tyrion, broken, diary, mad, Kubrick. Uh, that's with music. Uh, Oh, Tyrion kind of is uh, broken. I don't think that's what it says. Daenerys is very mad. Uh, there's Kubrick music. Uh, so I said, oh, this was like a little bit of Kubrickian cinema here, maybe. Uh, uh, Danny walks off. Uh, Tyrion gives an oh dear look. It's, Cersei has this like, oof, her. Cersei has this look like, uh, I don't even, like, very, uh, like, uh, like Jamie said who she is, uh, and Danny walks off, uh, and that's the end of the episode. So that's, so that's how the episode ended. Let's just look at a couple things that came up, uh, let me close that out. Okay, last of the Starks here. I'll link to it. There's an article about Danny's pin. Yeah, but I, I I won't bring that up. I'll link to that. Here's about uh, Darren Targaryen. I wanted to look that up. It's D-A-E-R-O-N. And actually, there's more than one. Uh, this is, uh, he's the son of Aegon III. Uh, but there's also Darren, Darren the Good and Darren the Second. This is Darren the First of his name. Uh, he tried to bring Dorne in. But it was 18 years. He was called the Young Dragon. First uh, king was that name to be on the Iron Throne. Uh, eighth king of Targaryen dynasty to rule the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, it lived about 100 years before the start of this show. Or before the events leading up to the start of the show. Uh, succeeded a succeeded his father Aegon the Third. Kind of stubbornly tried to uh, get into Dorne. Uh, had no heir, so he was succeeded by Baelor, uh the Blessed. Uh, I don't know what else is in here. There's a lot of, in the books, but that's kind of it about him. So maybe that isn't the one. Let's see if there's uh there's other Darrens in the book. Uh, there's Darren the Daring, uh, Darren the One, uh, Darren the Second, the Twelfth King on the Iron Throne, uh, Prince Darren, uh, firstborn of Makar. So I don't know which one. Uh, um, I don't know if one of them was one of them the Three Eyed Raven. I don't know. Let's see what Darren, uh, Darren the Drunken, one of them was. Uh, as a Makar son. Yeah, let's see, Darren II uh, brought Dorne peacefully into the realm. 
uniting all the lands. Uh, so maybe this is him. Uh, he, uh, this is from the book. Uh, uh, he was after uh, Baylor the Blessed, Blessed, and Darren the Young Dragon. Uh, uh, he arranged the marriage of Darren uh, to uh, Maria, Ma- Mariah Martel of Dorn. Uh, Prince of Dragonstone. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't see anything about it, though. But, uh, oh, he was involved in the Black Fry Rebellion. Uh, I thought somebody, I thought I remember something about that. But, yeah, so it's a little bit about it. I'll link to that. Uh, so this is a movie review of an 80s movie that I don't necessarily, there's like a big movie that either, I may have seen and not paid attention. I never saw it in the movie theater. And I remember it was a really beloved movie and it has like iconic movie moments in it, but I don't have, honestly, I don't know if I ever saw the movie or if I did, I wasn't paying attention. And I feel like kids in my class were always playing it. Uh, but, uh, this is Roger Ebert's review of, uh, from February 17th, 2002 of, uh, say anything. And it's actually a Cameron Crowe movie. I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, uh the first time Lori Dobler calls Diane court to ask her out on a date, he dials, uh, every number, but one, and then brushes his hair before dialing it. He wants to look his best. Uh, he gets her father on the phone. And, uh, Laura, who talks to her father about how great she is. Uh, this scene early in Cameron Crowe's Say Anything reflects one of the many virtues of the movie. In a lesser film, Lloyd would have gotten Diane on the phone with the first try, but it's important to establish that her father is a major player in the story. The movie, this movie's about honesty, uh, and dishonesty. Uh, Lloyd is tall, loyal, and true, tells the truth, and seems especially frank about the fact he has no future. His career plans do not include college, uh, maybe kickboxing, uh, but he kind of only is a teacher right now. Diane is a class Victorian and a winner of scholarship to England. This is kind of a plot. I don't want to go through the plot. I just wanted to see what the review was. Uh, uh, this is still more. Say anything depends above all on the hum- human qualities of its actors. Uh, Kuzak and Sky must have been cast for their clear-eyed frankness, uh, for their ability, ability to body the burning intensity of young idealism. Uh, a movie like this is possible because the maker believes in its young characters and in doing the right thing, staying true to oneself. Uh, so this just that was a little bit about it. Let's see what uh, I'll link to the um, Rotten Tomatoes on it. Uh, let's see like uh, what, uh, what Wikipedia has on it. Let's see. It came out in 1989. It's uh, very. It's on a lot of lists. Uh, it's 100 minutes long. Its budget was 16 million. It did 21 million at the box office. I'm presuming it did more. I guess it had a popular soundtrack. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the songs. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, there's one scene that, that uh, cultural impact, yeah, culturally recognizable scenes in American music music history. Oh, wow, James L. Brooks was the producer. James L. Brooks, I'm sorry. Uh, 
uh, where James holds up. Well, you, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, mess it up for anybody, but yeah, that's just a little. I don't. I, I forgot why. Say something or something came up. Uh, let's talk about the term tilt in poker, just because I wanted to dig into that. It's a poker term for uh, a state of uh, mental or emotional confusion or frustration. When a player adopts a less than optimal strategy, usually resulting in the player becoming overly aggressive, it's uh, also closely associated with another term, steam. It's in it, placing someone else on tilt's an important aspect, which again, it kind of calls back this episode to uh, the episode at the start of a battle of uh, the pinball or pool players. It is a relative occur- frequent occurrence due to frustration uh, or bad luck. Uh, and it's important to recognize if you're experiencing it in, uh, or if other people are. One origin of the word is a reference to a tilting pinball machine, uh, which causes the players to, like, when you lose the ball, it causes people to uh, thing. Uh, it was originally talked about people winning other games at titles. Uh, so, that, I don't know. That's just a little bit about it. I thought it was interesting because Khaleesi's clearly on it. Uh, you just wanted to link to an article in the Game of Thrones wiki about Dorn. Because uh, I think that's like, I don't know. I always find Dorn interesting just because it didn't get a ton of screen time. Maybe it will. A couple other links in there. But this is... Uh, we got two more episodes left, and I think they're both supersized. Uh, but of course, we still have more time with uh, Tom and Pounce and the Old Gods and the New coming up here. Uh, I don't know why I like saying that uh, the Onion Knight dunked on the Lord of Light, but I just get a kick out of that. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, uh, we this is Cape Pounce Radio. We interrupt your. Uh, Regular scheduled programming, actually for regular scheduled program, it's time for uh, another episode about ben- best friendship, uh, about a boy and a cat, uh, about a best friend and a best friend tales uh, with uh, best friends and of best friends, uh, two hard-boiled detectives in the big city. It's time for Tommen and Pounce uh, in the world of Noir Chardonnay. Uh, Cape Pounce Radio, the radio of cats and best friends everywhere. Meow. It was a day, just like any other day, uh, that, that I talk about with, uh, well, not like any other day, because some days I just, uh, you know, it was a day Sir Pounce and I went in our office in the back of Noir Chardonnay's club. Sir Pounce uh, taking a bath on my desk. Luckily, I had a desk set, a gift from Noir Chardonnay. So, Pounce, you like taking a desk on my desk blotter, uh, don't you? Meowie. That's right. Uh, had given me a bespoke desk set, uh, bought at a store, and then a team of artists uh, that hang at the club. Uh, but I was sitting there. So, Pounce was taking a bath. The clock was ticking. We had an analog clock. Uh, originally, we had one from a submarine. Uh, that Noir Chardonnay had given me, but it had to be wound. And despite, you know, talking it out with multiple adult figures in my life at the time, 
I just, I, when I would, you would wind the clock with a key and I would wear the key around my neck. It was a source of pride. I guess I'm going off topic sometimes. All right. Right, I'm supposed to talk it out till till to let the feelings go free, and so I, I, I but I would I was constantly thinking it brought me pleasure to wind the clock, uh, and uh, it brought me too much pleasure, so I ended up winding it too much because I just couldn't, uh, and so I learned a valuable lesson: get a clock with a battery. Uh, so that's what we had now. Also. You get a clock, a winding clock. You say, well, that's my pleasure clock. I wind it for pleasure, not for keeping time. And that is another lesson I learned through Noir Chardonnay, uh, who said, maybe this could be a pleasure clock. And I said, a clock? What? I don't understand. Pleasure clock. I said, oh, okay. Okay, but then someone else explained it to me, and Sabansa looked at it. So now I wind clocks for pleasure. Also, sometimes when I shout that, people giggle, uh, which I haven't learned why. But that's what I do. I I have my key still. So, lesson learned. But there was sitting there, pleasure on my mind. Uh, when in the office walked in, uh, someone who uh, who took my breath away. Well, ju- just to be clear, and uh, she she was uh, she was cool. She was confident. Her eyes, uh, like uh, the color of an ice wall, in uh, with the spring sunlight on it. Uh, and she said, uh, "Well, hello. Uh, I'm looking for Tom and and." Uh, and and she looked at me like she didn't know what to say, and it was like we were two strangers meeting for the umpteenth time, and the first time all together. Also, I had a ceiling fan that was dramatically spinning with a shadow that would fall across my face uh, as I watched her with my collar upturned, and I had nothing to say. So I said nothing to quote one of the Podman's favorite books. And she, 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 she was, uh, th- she was thinking what to say when Sapounce, uh, it was because Sapounce was kind of hidden behind the, the pens of the desk set. Sapounce hopped up from Sapounce's bath and she said, Oh my, who's this, uh, uh, kind of little fellow? And uh, she, she, she was standing, so Sapounce couldn't naturally hop into her lap. Uh, but I said, Well, that's uh, Sapounce, my best friend my business partner and, uh, you know, the person who, uh, you know, my best friend, Sapounce. Uh, and she said, oh, Sapounce, pleased to meet you. I've been looking for the two of you. And I said, well, we're here. We're here to take your case. I could tell you're looking for something. You're trying to figure something out. Uh, and it's out there in the big city, the answers. So, so let's go. And she she almost said something, but then Sopounce walked out the door, tail in the air. And usually, when Sopounce's tail's high in the air, you don't you know, you just instinctively close your mouth anyway because you're seeing the back of Sopounce. We say it politely, and also Sopounce's posture. You know, other than looking at the back of Sopounce, uh, like when other than that direct straight-on view with the tail up. Uh, when you're not looking directly at that, I, I guess you'd say, 
you, uh, suppose strikes cuts a pose, uh, so she, she followed Sapounce up the stairs, out of the office, uh, and into the streets, and I was there behind her. You know, it was the city. It was the afternoon, but it was a foggy afternoon when we walked outside, say. It was that city, that city with a clock on every wall. Very few of the clocks kept the same time, but they all moved at the same pace. All of them, even the ones that have been pleasurably overwhelmed or weren't working. And twice a day, those clocks were right. <laughs> Shay. So we walked through this city full of clocks. Uh, everywhere, a clickety clock. I guess I'm getting distracted. Uh, and I said to her, my, uh, you back there, you took my breath away. There's something about you, something confident, uh, something comfortable. But a confidence that under, is underlined by some sort of kindness and, and, and gentleness. But if that gave you all the answers, you wouldn't be here looking for Sapounce and I, would you now? And she sighed, and I could tell uh, that we had work to do. So I took her down to one of my favorite spots in the city the bespoke district where things are made by hand, things are made by craft, uh, where barbell mustaches are a dime a dozen if you buy them, but there's also people, lots of people with barbell mustaches and uh, many other things, top hats galore. One of the things I found, you know, that when I couldn't wind a clock that relaxes me, that helps me think on cases, is uh, the churning of butter. And uh, we sat there and we watched uh, bespoke butter churners uh, churn butter, not far from the cheesemonger and the cheesemaker, not far from the person who made candles for the candlestick seller. They were all working, but it was the steady movement, the steady churn of the butter that I found similar in some way to some part of me as a winding of clocks, a ceaseless, as mother would say, if she was there when I was winding the clocks, we didn't have clocks where I grew up. But I could see Mother would not be pleased with me constantly saying, well, How much, how long do I, can I wind the clock now, Sir Pounce? Meow, meow. No. But so we watched the butter churning. And we, we, we didn't speak. We sat side by side, our full arms touching. Every once in a while, we'd look at each other, then look away. And she had this smile. Uh, but again, I was sure there was something I could help with. And I thought the butter churning was a place to start, because then we moved on. Butter churning's one of those things you don't really need to talk about or ask. I mean, you don't, I don't understand it any either, but you know the churning butter. You could smell the butter. Also, they brought over some butter. And fresh. they were doing a salted mix and a regular mix. Uh, and they explained it to us and why what made this... Uh, where it was sourced, Hudson Valley, I believe, or something. Uh, uh, Sagratis salt. It was. It was all that. so. So uh, we enjoyed the butter. And then we moved on. What I'm saying is, you didn't have to butter churning and clock. You don't have to overthink those things. And our next stop was farther away to the city, to a district with pipes and steam. 
and things, leaky, leaky uh, valves, uh, get off gassing and, and those things. Uh, went to this place uh, called a factory. We went inside the factory, and there was nothing bespoke about it. It was mass, uh, and it was churning something out. Uh, and we were there at the end of the product line when it came out, and it looked like butter. It tasted like butter. Some people say they couldn't believe it was not butter. Uh, but I knew because I'd known that this is where we were going all along. This was a margarine factory. And I said to her, you know what this is? And she said, she goes, it, uh, she goes it's like the butter, butter churning, but without any of it. I said, it's a margarine factory. That word reminds me of you, margarine. And she nodded knowingly. And I said, it's, a, it's like butter, but it's not like, it's not butter at all. And she said, huh. And I said, let's go to one more stop. And we headed to a park, a park full of birds, full of people. In a park well known for, for its popcorn, of all things. Uh, Old fashioned popcorn in a machine. And it's another spot I go to sit with Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce watches the birds, leaves them alone, just watches them. And I watch the popcorn and the people with popcorn and the popcorn being popped and made. And we sat there again, different, different, totally different part of me that needs to watch the popping of popcorn and the part of me that enjoys butter churning. And for what, you know, just to check in, when I was a boy, I never had these things to learn, uh, these pastimes, watching butter churning, watching popcorn and popcorn eaters. You know, normally I would try to uh, emulate those things instead of enjoy them. I would just cover myself in butter and corn and then try, you know, I did do that. And uh, my mother, you know, mother, she's never, but so uh, we were sitting there. She said, she, 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 you know, this was a brilliant woman, but she still couldn't put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And I, you know, it was complicated for me, you see, because I had feelings, uh, but I was also working. I had feelings from the past, I had feelings in the present, and I had feelings wondering about the future. But this was no time for my feelings, say. And, you know, I said that to myself out loud, and she kind of gave me a quizzical smile. She said, Tommy, you're, you're such an un unexpected, this whole thing is unexpected. And I said, you seem to be enjoying yourself, but I uh, wonder if you've ever had that opportunity. You know, I, uh, you know, I may not seem like the most confident or the least confident person, but I've become who I am. Mikey, uh, Tommy. Sir Tom and your grace, which I, you know, you would have probably been calling me that for a while. But I became the person I am. And I don't know of anyone that was born confident or uh, had a coolness. Now, maybe there are people that do that. Uh, but sometimes maybe people have to do that, you know. And they do it so well, it, it is real or it's almost real. But then maybe they miss out on things. Uh, and she said, like the margarine. If you only had margarine or your buffoon that thinks it tastes like butter, 
you're missing out uh, on the real thing. And I said, well, 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 that's a loaded word there. I say, modern's real. It's just modern. But uh, it's based on something else. Uh, you know, and there's, you know, there's, there's bad butter, believe me. And, uh, and then we got some popcorn and we thought some more. And she said, I wonder how modern feels about being modern. And I said, well, you know, it's different. People are different than, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a condiment, uh, but, uh, you know, people are different than the things you would keep in your refrigerator, your icebox, say. I said, you know, modern is just modern. It doesn't even have a choice. Uh, it's made and manufactured. And she said, butter's churned. Butter goes on a journey. And I said, it continues on that journey, but we won't talk about that. We already saw the backside of Sir Pounce, and that's enough of that for one afternoon. And she said, I think I understand. Like, uh, you know, margarine's constructed. It's confident that it's almost like butter. And it, she said, it's formed in a bar. And, it, you know, she goes, she goes, huh. And it works. Uh, and but it might not always be easy. Just be, you say, wow, that margarine's really confident in its ability to be almost like butter. And I said, it would be kind of more complicated if we were talking about a modern family, right? Uh, and the expectations of a modern child to live up to the expectations of not, you know, having someone believe that they're, they're butter or they're not butter. And what if they said, uh, you, you could make modern the whole game, modern, baby modern, if you just did things right, uh, you just listened to our wise counsel. And maybe the wise counsel was wise. They said, well, modern's better, man. It's easy to manufacture. We got a lot of good things going. And we, we moderns love each other. Uh, it'd be tough. You know, that's a seductive thing uh, to, to be, you know, but that's. Uh... And then we ate the popcorn and she patted my knee. And she said, uh, this is nice. Uh, this is nice here sitting on the bench. Sapounce was in her lap at this point. She was actually petting Sapounce with a kernel of popcorn, which I had done before as well. Dry, you know, dry. This is non-buttered popcorn. Even though we, like, we did have some buttered popcorn. Real butter. And that's another stuff that's oil. We didn't get into that discussion. And uh, she she put a piece of butter, uh, popcorn in her mouth, not the one she was petting Sapounce with. She gave that to a bird. And I said, oh, boy, I'm not sure if... Uh, I said, those birds will eat anything, but... Uh, you know. And uh, she kissed me on my cheek, and she said, I think I'd like to be butter. And I said, you could be butter, or you could be anything you want to be now. Unlike margarine, you have a choice, uh, you have the whole city. It's yours. Uh, it's yours, you know. You, you, and she said, I, I am excited uh, to be margarine and see what I become. And she said, where would I find you? And I said, I'll be in no Chardonnay, say. She said, maybe. And, then, and she actually started working. Just a spoiler, she works there now. She's famous, and she goes by the name Margarine.
but she's better than me and popcorn. And uh, yeah, there was another tale of uh, and the case was solved uh, by nightfall. And then Sabounce and I went back to our hand and ate out of a tin can. And that's uh, the end of this episode. Good night. Uh, good time to prayer into the old gods and the new. Crone, sweet sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog God. I'm, I'm calling on the prayer phone. Uh, you know, when you need some uh, praise, that's me calling in. Uh, praying across the universe to, to all of you to check in and just see the updates on our, our summer camp. You know, we have to think of a name. And past summer camp names have been pro- problematic. Uh, so thinking about a name that represents us. And then thinking about what jobs you would, w- w- well, one, I guess I'm making an assumption, um, you know, ass and, you know, A-double-S and you and me. Would you would you please work at the summer camp? Uh, could I ask that of you? Because the whole purpose of the summer camp was designed so I'd spend time praising you or saying it, you know, so we don't lose touch. Uh, and then when we lose touch, because we don't have Game of Thrones to go back to, we say, well, at least we'll have, uh, you know, Camp Crony Poo Poo. Uh, that's problematic. I know, Crone, because yeah, I'm using you and Poo Poo. I was using the complimentary Poo Poo. But that was an example of, you know, why it's hard to come up with a camp name. Uh, I, I state, what was the camp I did, Crone? Do you remember? You should remember, but you didn't, I know I should remember Crone. Oh, but God, that was the thing. I'd like you to be think about taking roles at the camp. Uh, and maybe roles that maybe, maybe we take you outside of your God box and, and you, you, you step into a new role. Uh, because it'd be easy, you know, to crone for you to be the, uh, like you could even have a house on the hill overlooking the whole camp, uh, where your brows furrowed and, and you're, you know, you're creaking in a chair and, you know, checking things on boxes and, and, and saying things over. Maybe you could play both roles though, crone. Like that could just be a method role you're playing for fun. Uh, the, the camp crone. Hear me out, Crone. Hear me out, because I I, I want to go beyond the tropes. Uh, but picturing this, this could serve a role to keep kids behaving, and maybe it's just, maybe the camp's story based, like the camp Crone store. Maybe we have an adventure camp. You're right, Crone. Oh, Crone. It, so you're saying like an escape, not an escape room, but something like that. The whole week. Uh, well, that would be like Adventure Week, I think. That would be a themed week, but I hear you. And then, yeah, Renfair Ren Week. Oh, boy, Crone. I can't wait for this camp now. So, yeah, on those weeks, you would sit up there, and i say, well, that's the Camp Crone. She she knows all. She watches all. Uh, that's why you do your best here at uh, whatever this camp's going to be called, Poo Poo. And so... Uh, but in what role would you be where you would feel flourishing at camp, Crone? I mean, I know that one, you know, that's a role you've been putting before. Also, you know, just putting this out, I didn't mention this last episode, Maiden, but, you know, if you want to, um, you know, I don't know, maybe there could be, maybe this could be like a summer camp for grownups. Uh, anyway, think about it, Maiden.
or, you know, we could work to, you know, maybe we could, we could take on the roles of two camp, camp counselors, uh, just, just an idea. Uh, but the mother Smith, you know, the mother, father, and the warrior, not, not, uh, you know, they can drop campers off. That's it. So Crone, you could do, do so that, that would be your, your, your stereotypical role. You know, just like you get prayed to as an old god in the new. Uh, but then maybe, uh, what if, could, what if you could be like the camp jester, like the cornball crone? I mean, I know, but it's just your name. So I can't really, it's really, I got to work with that. Connie, cornball Connie. And you could be the camp counselor that's always joking around. And always good for a smile or a cry, you know, when you're, you know, Connie cheers you up, but you can cry on her shoulder. And you do these roles that we were saying, well, the jester might be, you know, the magic show. Maybe you run the uh, talent show. That's another thing they usually have. And they have twin week. Of course, uh, like, uh, I would like, uh, where you, you try to be the twin. You know, I couldn't find anybody to let me be their twin at the, when I was at camp. Uh, because they still had it, you know, I guess I was always who I was because I couldn't even, I had social interaction even back then and took trouble. But so, what was I saying? So you could be the, the fun camp counselor too. And then one day they'd say, what is it? This, you know, if it was the story, adventure week or story week, uh, we'd find out that you're really living among us. You're a god, a goddess uh, living among us. Uh, here with us uh, as Connie, the cornball, but you're also the crone up on the hill. So Miller, that would put us in a position where you'd be the camp cook if you were if you were fitting into your uh, Westerosi type of limited role, even though I, you know, you weren't originally a god, and I said you should be. Uh, so what would you be if you weren't uh, the, 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 just the, the, the camp cook? Which in most of the movies is an important role. I don't know about in the in the regular ones. Uh, I don't know if there's a camp caretaker or if they, everybody throws. You know, all the counselors have to cook, take turns cooking. Usually, you do each cabin has to practice, like has to do some chores, so they'd have to do cleanup or serving breakfast. Uh, so, what other role would you be good at, Miller? You know, grinding your grains. You get tired with that. A chilling. Okay, I like that. So instead of working, you could be the beach bum, the bra, bra, and you'd say, come on down to the beach, bra, and hang with me. I'm the beach bra, and you could just chill at the sand. You you swim, but don't do, you're not in charge of swimming lessons. Some counselor that's certified is. Hammocks, I like it. I like, I like that for a role for you. Yeah, you could have relax. There could be quiet, quiet time every day. I like. Oh boy, you really are. You're tuned in to me, Miller. So yeah, everybody. I like that quiet time. Like maybe two or three o'clock. Uh, everybody has to be quiet. You could take a nap or chill in a hammock. Chill, bra. Chill at the beach. Chill on the. We could. Oh, you could have a floating dock. I like that where people relax. Uh, Sounds great. It sounds like a time, Maiden, that would probably be a good time for me and you to hang, maybe go for a walk uh, in the woods. Uh, anyway, okay, I got to get smithed. Uh, 
So last episode, I think we came up, you'd be in charge of maintenance and your forge and doing all that. Uh, I think that would be your, your typical roles. Uh, and those are important ones. Even in the movies, you know, that character can be developed in uh, usually only a, f- a few ways. Uh, uh, but so if you were a forger, maybe like, a, so you have to be hard as iron. Crafts, okay. Well, that's that's pretty, okay, well, soft crafts. I'd say you have to be, because you're so hard, you know, that we'd have to put you in soft crafts. Uh, so only things with googly eyes or smiley faces, poof balls, uh, plush, uh, puppets. Okay, I like it now. I think that's it. You're a craft, you know, I grew up with the crafty lady. Uh, she did all all of hers with craft glue and uh, tongue depressors or popsicle sticks. Uh, okay, that was pretty easy, Smith. That makes sense, though. I mean, soft crafts, though. And what about some watercolors? Yeah, okay, yeah, I like it. Can can we do some boats, some paper boats on the creek or the river? Oh, great. Floating lanterns? I, oh, my goodness. It's, I, can I, where can I put a deposit in right now? Uh, Miller Smith, Bar- Barky. Barky, so you'd be the trees, you'd be the treehouse, you'd be the leadership ropes course, uh, the shade, the swing, also the council everybody can count on that's really tall. They say, well, just just ask uh, Jenny. She she gets it done, you know. Uh, you know, whatever. When you count on somebody, you can count on uh, Barky. So what would you be if you weren't that? Uh, Barky, so you'd be, because we already kind of, we kind of have, usually you're fun-loving. Inter- oh, inter- okay, I like it, uh, movie night, because you like movies, even though you don't return them. Movies under the stars, star-watching, okay. Yeah, I think star-watching, oh, like watching the stars and pretending they're a movie. Cloud-watching, Barky, I like it, uh. Uh, theater, okay, like the kids can put on a play. Oh boy, Barky, this is like drama. Or okay, Shakespeare, okay, I like it. So yeah, you you kind of be the the camp thespian maybe. Oh wow, I like that. Okay, but it really cuts down on the jester's jobs. But uh. Jester, uh, so you, I guess you'd be Barky's assistant if you were in your normal role. Uh, you, I guess you'd be more, though, Jester, you'd have a larger role. You know, that's just how it seems at first. But you, there's also all the other activities. So you, in your typical role, you'd be in charge of all those things, not just the jesting, but anything recreational, which is what summer camp really is. So you got different games. Uh, at different sporting activities, archery, of course. Uh, I don't know if there's horseback. I mean, I guess we should have horseback riding because we're going to have horseshoes, horseshoes tournament, four square, you know, dodgeball, maybe. I don't know, you know, that, how we feel about that uh, and all that other stuff. So, yeah, you'd be activities coordinator, whistle for sure, uh, cap if you like it. 
And so what would you do if you weren't overseeing all of the activities and making sure everybody's having fun, engaged and having fun? Oh, solitary. I like it, Jester. Like someone like me that needs time alone. You would start to teach people how to cultivate some alone and private time. So you'd encourage introverts to spend some time alone, but also extroverts. Uh, and encourage it as an esteem-building, healthy, well, bar, bark, I mean, sorry, Jester. This is why I know you're a god whose name I forgot, but... Uh, so you'd cultivate some downtime, a little bit different than chill time, but you could coordinate those things. Uh, hike, alone hikes, okay. Silent thinking. Oh, so maybe you two are kind of working together. You, okay, I like this. Well, that's how camps work. It's interdependent, right? Uh, but some positive solitary time. I got you. I got you. I, I'm, I'm chapping my chest because I get it. Uh, that's the jester. And finally, Hound Dog God. Now, Hound Dog God, first of all, you'd be the one. I mean, your your stereotypical is easy. You know, you're always. You seem like you're always hungover. You're always in a grouchy mood. You seem like you don't like kids, but you do really do love them, or or camp residents, and that. So I think it falls in to you being in charge of homesickness, right? Oh boy. Because you got such a tough exterior, which means you have a big heart. Uh, so you would be, in, oh, maybe you'd even be the camp council. Like, seriously, so, so, well, you'd need certifications for all that. Uh, and we don't do any faux counseling. But uh, you could be professionally a counselor. That's just, that's something that's optional, a therapist. Uh, but you could also be in charge of learning skills to help people cope with homesickness. Okay, you'd be in charge of letter writing. I like that. Uh, postcard sending. Uh, you know, deal, okay, dealing with those feelings of missing home for first time or not the first time. You don't know if they ha still have pay phones, but you could be in charge of pay phones if that was a thing. Uh, okay, like uh, sending, working with other camp counselors for sending uh, crafts home. Okay, I like it. Oh, another. Oh, okay, you know, different skills building around those things. I really think you'd be good at. Uh, there, there should be someone in charge of homesickness. I really believe that, and I think you'd be the purpose one, perfect one because people wouldn't suspect you. Would be able to, but maybe you've always been homesick, huh? No. Okay, well, the, yeah, well, it makes sense in your case. Okay, well, uh, gosh, that went good. We don't have a name for the camp, but we'll think about that for next week. Uh, Crone, Sweet Sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog God, thank you for your time. And I'm looking forward to, to having this summer camp uh, with you forever and ever. The end. Good night.